0: Welcome to Brains Matter, the podcast on science, curiosities and general knowledge. I'm your host, just an ordinary guy. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Brains Matter. On today's show, Luke Stellar is back. He's an astrobiologist from the University of New South Wales. So welcome back to the show, Luke.
1: Thank you so much. It's so great to be back. Life on Venus. So what, what's all that about? Yeah, no, definitely. So in mid September, in Nature Astronomy, this amazing article came out where they detected a gas called phosphine on Venus. Um, you might've seen a lot of crazy different articles going around about life on Venus and all these kind of things, um, which may have, you know, extrapolated a point, but the key findings is very exciting. So basically, um, astronomers do this thing where they can look at the spectra of different gases in the atmosphere of different planets. So pretty much, um, as the light from the sun comes to earth and hits us. If it interacts with any molecules along the way, it will actually change the different wavelengths that we receive. And very clever astronomers that are amazing at maths and recreating these different molecules and what they look like can actually tell us, wow, there's a little bit of a vibration. There's a molecule that the light's interacting with in this specific wavelength, therefore it must be this molecule. So basically what they did was that they're looking at Venus and they're looking at the sunlight coming through Venus's atmosphere. So not even hitting the planet, but skimming just through the clouds and the atmosphere Mm -hmm. around it, getting it onto Earth, getting the wavelengths of that light from the different telescopes that they have around the world. And they found a gas called phosphine. So yeah, so phosphine is very exciting. It's pH-free, so it's a reduced form of phosphorus. And it's a gas that is very, very rare on Earth we have around a few parts per trillion. So that's one little piece of phosphine molecule in a trillion other molecules in our atmosphere. So it's, it's, there's very, very small amounts of it. The exciting thing is that the only thing that makes phosphine on earth is actually a living process by bacteria. There are a few industrial processes that also release phosphine as well, but the main thing is um, bacteria living in really oxygen, poor phosphorus rich environments that produce this phosphine gas in parts per trillion but on um venus they'll find this gas in parts per billion so around 20 parts per billion which is a lot more than they're finding on earth so they're mm. like what could it be from so the scientists that wrote that which was um jane greaves and a whole bunch of other amazing astronomers they were being very good scientists they didn't jump to any conclusions and they started to try and figure out of different ways that phosphine could be produced on venus
0: given that venus is a very different atmosphere to us and it's got crushing pressures extreme heat is it possible to make phosphine under those conditions
1: phosphine is produced in our solar system on massive gas giants like jupiter you know it has 20 parts per million so that's you know what is that? Six orders of magnitude, more than what we have here on Earth. And that's produced by these intense heats and pressures pushing it all into there because Jupiter is such a huge planet, they can actually create the right conditions to make massive amounts of phosphine. However, on Venus, it's a planet, you know, more around outsides of Earth compared to these, these huge gas giants like Jupiter. So they're really trying to understand why phosphine is there. So the scientists didn't jump to any conclusions. Jane Greaves and the other scientists who wrote that paper, who made that discovery, they were very good scientists. You know, They stood by um, their guns. They didn't want to jump to any conclusions. And they were trying to figure out what else could form phosphine on Venus. So they looked at meteorites bringing it in and burning up in the atmosphere and depositing it there. They looked at the lightning and whether that could stimulate um, phosphorus to form phosphine at the amounts that they're finding. They looked at all the different kinds of volcanoes that they can model on Venus and see if that could produce the amount of phosphine that they're seeing. And pretty much what their paper did where they went through all these different options, they did all this mathematics modeling it, and basically they said none of the reasons that we know of on Venus uh, are possible for producing the amount of phosphine that we're detecting. So they were very um, you know, conservative, they were very clever, mm-hmm. they said they didn't say we found life they didn't say anything like that all they said they found they found unexplained chemistry happening on venus which isn't a robust evidence of life but they can't exclude life being a possibility for that being formed so pretty much just saying we haven't found life but we found this gas that is produced by a few different um potential origins and life may be one of them because all the other ones we can think of so far doesn't explain the amount of phosphine that we're seeing
0: so I've read that Venus has an oxidizing atmosphere. So mm. for people who don't understand chemical processes, what is an oxidizing atmosphere and what would that do to phosphine if if it was sitting there?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um I remember when I first heard of that as well, I didn't really understand the chemistry and and I thought, "Wow, oxidizing atmosphere, there must be oxygen there, you know, and it must be some kind of photosynthesis making that oxygen." It's not the case really it's this chemical process called oxidization and reduction. And it's basically the way electrons move between different molecules. And all it really means is that if you have a reduced gas like phosphine in an oxidizing environment, it gets broken up and it gets, you know, oxidized, it gets destroyed by all these other molecules that are present that want to break it down. So the really important thing that means for our detection of phosphine is that phosphine has to be made fresh. If it was made a long, long time ago when there may have been life on Venus living there millions of years ago, if it was made then, the oxidizing atmosphere would have destroyed it all and there'd be nothing less for us to see today. So really, the fact that we're seeing phosphine, which is this gas that falls apart so easily, there must be something producing it all the time. So if there is life there or a fancy kind of volcano that we're not aware of, it must be still there present to produce the phosphine that we're seeing.
0: So w- what are some of the candidates for this sort of thing?
1: For producing the phosphine? Yeah. As a astrobiologist, as someone who studies the potential for life on other planets, I had to be very um, controlled and not get too excited about <laughs> this. Because it's still very early days, you know. And the only way we can really tell if there's life there. Is to send a spaceship there, collect some samples and analyze it and say, yes, this is life, you know, which would be incredibly exciting. From what I've read and what I've talked to different astronomers and different scientists, volcanoes seem to be a very interesting possibility. You know, Mm -hmm. there's all these um, amazing pressurized systems that we may see on Venus that could produce phosphine in a way that we just aware of that just isn't here on earth and is totally outside the models that we can predict so maybe volcanic People also look at lightning in these gas clouds that are around Venus that are actually nearly pure sulfuric acid They're incredibly acidic and maybe lightning in these really acidic conditions with UV radiation coming in could stimulate phosphine to form as well So people are definitely looking at different ways Um, and one possibility is life, which is very exciting. Mm -hmm. So if you want to go down that road to, you know, could there be life? The question really is, how did that life get there?
0: Venus isn't a planet that you would notionally think about having life because of the extreme temperatures, extreme pressures. (laughs) But as we spoke about when you appeared on the show last, sometimes life can appear in the most extraordinary places, can't it?
1: no definitely yeah and as we talked about last time you see life growing in these totally dark deep sea vents you see life growing in bubbling hot springs you see um spores of bacteria and other organisms floating high up into our atmosphere and surviving and they even see life growing on the outside of spaceships in space you know once life's evolved it's very good at living in incredibly extreme environments The real question is then, but how does life form? Because as we talked about last time, there's a real difference between a planet being habitable, a planet being able to support life once it's there, and actually life being able to form there from just a whole bunch of organics or molecules coming together in such a right way.
0: With Venus, is that a planet where the conditions are such, where you believe that there is the possibility of life being able to form there?
1: Yeah, so that's a really good question, OG. Um, So just a bit of that Venus, as you said, it's incredibly hot. It's around like over 400 degrees Celsius. So that's, you know, way above the boiling point of water. You you can melt lead on the surface of Venus. It's incredibly hot. As you go up higher, you know, into the nice clouds of um, Venus, um, it's a lot cooler, you know. It could be a nice 30 degrees. It could be within the Goldilocks zone where life could be present. But even that... Um, in these conditions is incredibly hard to picture life forming because there's almost no water it's incredibly dry up there and there's a whole bunch of pure concentrated sulfuric acid so it's these incredibly dry clouds made of gases of um, sulfuric acid which would be incredibly inhospitable to any kind of chemistry that we can think about so you know, when people talk about if life is present on Venus, maybe you can get some incredibly robust little microorganisms living in those clouds, you know, where it's not too hot and they've adapted to those acidic conditions. But could life form there? That's a really interesting question. There's a few different ways that life could have done it. Um, the first one is that life may have formed on Venus a long time ago before it got, you know, as crazy as it was hmm. today. So... um, Because they talk
0: about Venus having the runaway greenhouse effect, don't they?
1: Totally, totally, yeah. So um, what they really thought that, you know, uh, hundreds of millions to billions of years ago, Venus would have been a lot nicer, calmer environment. There may have even been lakes and there might have been rivers on Venus's surface. It wouldn't have been so hot. It wouldn't have been so acidic. It would have actually been a really good place to form life. However... um, there was all this carbon dioxide and all these gases and water vapor in the atmosphere and it started getting more and more hot and all those gases kept all the heat in and evaporated more um water off the surface and it kept um yeah as exactly as you said it was a runaway greenhouse effect until you have these dense blankets of atmosphere around Venus holding in all this heat and you have you know 400 degrees on the surface of the planet so it's incredibly hot so maybe life you know did evolve when Venus was a lot more calm, a lot more cooler, and it migrated up into these clouds. And it's almost like these clouds are the last stronghold for life, where all life on the surface has died. But up in the clouds, you know, it can survive in these lukewarm conditions that are still incredibly acidic, but maybe it can survive up there because it was able to evolve and adapt in a much nicer environment. The second way that life could have got to Venus may have been from delivery from another planet. So we actually know that planets swap rocks all the time. There's some really famous meteorites that we have here on Earth that we know quite confidently looking at the chemistry of them that they've come from Mars, you know? There's also um, instances where we've had impacts of, you know, like the impact that killed the dinosaurs and all these other impacts where asteroids hit the Earth, splattered off a whole bunch of rocks, and they get spread out into the solar system, probably landing on planets like Mars and Venus. So when you think about that, you have these rocks going everywhere, and we know how sturdy microorganisms are, and they cover Mm -hmm. nearly every grain of dirt and rock that we have on Earth. It wouldn't be hard to imagine life being transported from Earth or from Mars to Venus, landing in the clouds and adapting some way to live there, you know? So maybe life didn't form on Venus, maybe life formed somewhere else, and it just so happened to get blown off and deposited there and could... Um, establish itself while it had already formed on another planet.
0: One remote possibility is that it may be Earthling bacteria from when the dinosaurs went extinct or or something like that.
1: Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And um, it's very interesting to think about our own origins as well. Are we actually aliens? You know, did life... Mm -hmm form originally on venus long ago when it was nice and cool or on mars and then came to earth and seeded us here that's the concept mm-hmm. called panspermia and um it's very interesting to think about when you try and understand how we all got here as well
0: so speaking of um possibility of finding organic chemicals and life around the place um asteroid Bennu.
1: Yeah, which is very exciting. Um, You know, in mid-October, NASA landed a um, small little spacecraft on an asteroid that's floating between us and Mars, um, was around 500 metres in diameter, and was spinning quite slowly, so it wasn't too hard for them to sort of line themselves up and bounce on it. Um, The thing that I found really fascinating about Bennu and the landing there with the OSIRIS-REx spacecraft was that even though it took them two years to get from Earth to this asteroid, and they spent so much time floating around and trying to get just the right angle and take all these photos and understand what's going on. They only touched the surface for around 16 seconds. It was an incredibly Mm -hmm. little fist bump, you know? it's an incredibly short little touch. And what they did is that it was almost like a pogo stick where it landed on there, and it had pretty much a vacuum cleaner and these little jets of nitrogen that kind of like stirred up all the dust and sucked it into a container and then it bounced off again this really quick little bump and from that they can see how much material they've got and if they've got enough which is you know at least 60 grams which is nothing they'll turn around and bring that back to earth the reason why that's so exciting for people like myself who study the origin of life on earth and looking for life on other planets is that asteroids like Bennu which to be called chondride chondrite um, asteroids they actually have a whole bunch of organic material on them. There was a really famous one that fell in a place called Murchison, which is in rural mm. Victoria in the 60s.
0: So if people Google the Murchison meteorite, you'll you'll hear all about it. It's, it's quite well known in scientific
1: circles in Australia. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's known around the world. It's kind of like the gold standard for... Um, a clean fresh sample of a meteorite because it fell on a town and it was scattered you know over a couple of hundred meters to a kilometer or so across this town people heard it land they saw the flash of light in the sky and they could actually go out quite quickly into their paddocks and pick them up before there was too much contamination from the surrounding environment so they think it may have been a pretty good understanding of what organics have found on there And if you smell this, they said the entire um, town or where these little bits um, landed, it smelt like kerosene. It smelt like this sweet organic material because of all of the carbon compounds that were on it. And I was actually very lucky. One of my good friends and mentors, a guy called Bruce Dahmer, who's also an astrobiologist at the University of California, he has a little jar and there's a tiny sand grain of this meteorite that's in it. And it was put in there, you know, 20, 30 years ago, really early on and it's still releasing all of these volatile carbon gases. And when you open it up and have a smell, you can still smell this sweet smell of this carbon that formed millions of billions of years ago while it was floating through space. So do you, even though we have these amazing meteorites out there, like Murchison meteorite, the difficult thing is that as it falls through our atmosphere, there's all that oxygen It starts burning it up, and when it lands here, even if it's on the ground for a few minutes, already biological material can start to contaminate that so by Mm -hmm. doing something like they're doing at Benno you know they can collect samples of these organic materials and these rocks that formed deep out in space with no earth contamination there's no chance of oxygen being there and destroying it there's no chance of bacteria or other kind of biological contamination destroying it so we can have a really clean insight into the kind of Um, asteroids that were landing on earth and bringing all these really exciting organic material to earth that may have formed life you know we call these organics the building blocks of life because even though they're quite simple you know there are a few amino acids and lipids so fatty acids that can form cell membranes when you start putting them into a hot spring pool or putting them into a deep sea vent they can start coming together in certain ways that look a lot like life think as well that asteroids like Bennu would have been landing on Venus for a very long time as well, would have had this inventory of all these organics being deposited there, which may have simulated some kind of interesting life-like chemistry as well. So when we think about the origin of life on Earth and things like Bennu and what kind of organics were around billions of years ago when these planets were forming and when life was forming, Venus and Mars and all the other planets in our solar system probably had quite similar organics delivered to them as well. So if you think about our place in the solar system, we weren't that different to Venus or Mars. So why is life here? And why may there not be life elsewhere? It's this big mystery we're trying to figure out.
0: Thank you once again for, for joining us, Luke. It's been really interesting hearing that. And um, we look forward to seeing you on the show again another time.
1: So definitely. I'd love to be back. So thank you so much. And thank you to all your listeners. So I'll see you later.
0: Thanks for listening to the show. You can check out the Brains Matter website at www.brainsmatter.com and you can find all the other episodes of the show there. There's also other information on the site such as guests who've been on the show and subscription details. You can also find Brains Matter on YouTube, so make sure you like and subscribe if you're a YouTube listener. If you want to support the show, please consider becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash brainsmatter and signing up to one of the options there. Or you can donate either once off or regularly via PayPal. All you need to do is click on one of the PayPal donation options on the right hand side of the website. If you have any comments or suggestions, you can leave an entry on this episode's show notes on the webpage or on YouTube, or you can send me an email. All my contact information can be found on the Brains Matter website. The theme music Soul of the Machine was composed and performed by Clive Weeks and is used with his permission. hope you enjoyed the show. Bye for now.